I learned several years ago from an executive of a very successful company that when they interview for positions of significant responsibility, have found that one of the best things to do is to put those candidates in a situation where everything goes wrong and then watch how they respond. It might be at a dinner where they pay the waitress to spill something on the candidate or, or they may just pull the plug on the media presentation because the real person shows up. Our public persona is a construct. It's partially the person we are, but then it's also the person that we think culture expects us to be or our religion expects of us or what we think will help us achieve whatever it is we're looking for in our relationships. The person that we present is a construct of both who we are but who we hope to be or who we want people to perceive us to be. And nothing cuts through that, like running into a wall, like a limiting experience. Now, we're about to look at the most famous verses in the entire book of Job. Wonderful verses about how he responds to the series of disasters that we looked at last week. And the way you may have heard this passage taught is as some sort of a survival guide for hardship. But at the very beginning of this series, one of the things that I repeated it last week is who you are as a person And in your faith, before disaster strikes, determines how you respond to that disaster and who you are at the end of it. And my goal in looking at these verses is not to say, here's five ways to respond to suffering so that you thrive. Because Job does not thrive in the weeks to come. But what this does is offer a glimpse into the person that Job is that resulted in his survival. For Job, this was a reflex response. It wasn't a trained response. It was a reflex response. One of my favorite parts of my annual physical is when my doctor takes the rubber mallet and hits my knee. (laughs) My foot goes like this, and my doctor says, well, you're still kicking. His joke, not mine. What we see in Job's response to this horrendous hammering, his reflex response is that, in fact, there's life there in him that the devastation can't take away. Let me share the big idea with you here. Your immediate response to trouble reveals three things. Who you are at your core, what is most important to you, and then finally, what you believe about God. Nothing reveals what your heart conceives God to be like more than how you respond to hardship and to tragedy. And so we're going to see all those things in Job. Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Or the more familiar King James, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. All right, let's look at this reflexive response. The first thing we see is that he chose to move forward. 
It simply says his first response was to get up. He picked himself up. That's the hardest thing for me when I face something that's discouraging, is just to choose to get up. Now, last week we talked about the value of sitting in our ruins waiting to hear from God, but that's different than wallowing in it. Self-pity. Job got up. He made a conscious choice to move forward. And then he expresses his anguish. The next two things that it says, he tore his clothes and shaved his head, are actually traditional mourning responses. The tearing of the cloth is expressing anguish. Eventually, everyone expresses anguish from disaster. But the more you delay that expression, the more you will be destroyed on the inside, and when you finally do express your anguish, it will come out destructively. Don't you think that's true? How many of you have watched people where no matter what is happening, no matter how bad it is, they're always smiling, they're never complaining. Somehow there's something unspiritual about admitting that I hurt. But listen, if you are a human being, if you are anything but a sociopath, possible that some of you are that here, which makes your entire facade a construct, you lose people, it hurts. And eventually, that anguish comes out. But it comes out destructively if we don't release it authentically. And that's what Job does. I remember at my mother's funeral, uh, my mother uh, was ill for a long time, died when I was 22 years old, but yet her death was unexpected even with the long struggle. She died from a cerebral hemorrhage. And when it happened, I'll be honest, pastor's family, five preacher's kids, we were devastated. My mom was well-loved, and the funeral home was packed. People were coming through, and they did not see a family that was strong and held up. You know, we had lost our mom, and my dad had lost his partner. We were devastated. And I remember people coming through, and they were more troubled by watching us than anything. I remember my dad having people say over and over again, Dick, you know where she is. And finally, my dad said, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but my dad finally said, you know, my problem isn't where she is. It's where she isn't. I don't believe that our anguish displayed a lack of faith. Not one of us felt bad for our mother. We were heartbroken for ourselves. And I think that expression was honest. But I have to tell you, our version of Christianity was troubled when they saw us not fitting into the box that as Christians we're told to fit into. Hey, there's no box about anguish in this church. You're welcome to say, I'm hurting here because that's a path through. He didn't just express his anguish, he embraced his tragedy. Shaving your head is premeditated. It's a way of saying, I am identifying with this stage in my life right now. I'm gonna admit that this is where I am. I'm a person in mourning and in anguish, and I'm not gonna deny it. Because again, denying that pain works its way into your life and creates bitterness and all sorts of destructive responses. And once we're willing to deny one thing, we will become people who deny everything 
about ourselves and, and no real transformation can occur in our lives and we become black holes. We just take, 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 but there's no giving back. So Job chose to move forward. He got up, he expressed his anguish, he tore his clothes, he embraced his tragedy. Fourth, he submitted to God. He fell on his face. It's a choice to surrender an act of submission to God. And then finally, he turned to God, not from him. He worshiped. People who are walking with God, like Job did, crisis doesn't drive them away from God, it drives them to God. I have this image of of my children. I think the one that comes to mind is Anna, who very young wanted desperately to cross the street. Too young to understand why. She can't just walk across the street. And me saying no. And her just railing against me. Why? Why? You're limiting my life. There's a world out there. Just around the river bend. Why? And then there's a moment of decision where instead of this, she reaches, she puts her hands out and comes running to me. The very parent who moments earlier she was railing against, ultimately she runs too. Because while she doesn't understand my ways, she trusts who I am. And she's known my love. See, Job was able to turn to God in adoration at a time when some of us would have only railed against him in anger. Let's look at the end of verse 22 and look at the result of this reflexive response to tragedy that Job demonstrates. He kept his faith, and he let wisdom guide him. A historic translation of that verse is, in all this he did not sin or charge God foolishly. You won't find that in your NIV translation that that we use, but there is this little Hebrew word, tifla, that is used three times in the Bible. The book of Job uses it twice, and then Jeremiah uses it. And it's the word in folly or foolishly. It's saying it's a foolish thing to accuse God. Now let's admit it, all of us, when we've experienced devastating situations or just inconvenient situations, can act foolishly. Can I hear an amen? Actually, that was the wrong thing to say because amen means so be it. Can I hear a, oh yeah, that's much better. Our knee-jerk reaction is often quite foolish and we have to double back later on and say, that was a bad response, I'm really sorry. I wasn't being myself. And that's where we're lying. It's just a part of ourselves got revealed there. If we're not coming from a good place, we will react foolishly. Job didn't do that. He actually fell upon the wisdom that he had in his relationship with God, and he knew better than to charge God with wrongdoing for what happened in his life. And as a result, his faith is preserved. 
Amazing. I want to say this as often as I'm up here to help us understand the lessons we can learn about Job. The book of Job is the story of a man who other than Jesus is the best man described in scripture so that no one here today can say you're better and you deserve better. Who goes through a series of such devastating events that none of us can say we have it worse. So that we can look at his response and recognize if Job could could respond that way, then any of us can and should. But he did not just respond, he professed. There's this traditional phrase in Christianity called making a good confession. Job makes a good confession here. We're gonna say it together, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. This this is an amazing passage, isn't it? We have the blessing of coming to this passage now, knowing the depth of the story out of which it flows. It makes it that much more meaningful. It breaks down nicely into three aspects, and with each of these three things, I'm gonna point out what it reveals about Job's general perspective. Second, his view of things And third, his theology, his view of God. So when he says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart, it reveals to us, first of all, that Job has an eternal perspective. One way to paraphrase this is, hearses don't pull U-Hauls. I think that deserved at least a chuckle. Maybe not, I don't know, but I liked it. Job had an eternal perspective that there was more than this life alone, and he said, in the end, none of these things that I've lost will come with me into eternity. And what that helps us understand is that he saw everything that we have as temporary. But ultimately, it reveals in his theology that this is about the sufficiency of God. This is about the sufficiency of God. Jesus echoes that in his Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth destroy, where rust corrupts, where thieves break into steel. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Job was very busy laying up for himself treasures in heaven. And he understood that was of greater value. And God himself was all in the end he needed. The second section, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. It's it's very interesting. We know it was Satan's attack, but he knows that none of this happens except that God allows it. And that's often what makes it so hard for us because even though we know people hurt us, institutions hurt us, illness hurts us, Satan attacks us, But ultimately, we know in our heart, none of it happens except that God allows it. It is not a betrayal of his love for God to give God credit for both the blessing and the pain. And what that helps us understand is that Job held loosely to the things of this life. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. And he understood everything we have is on loan from God. 
and from his theology, this is about the sovereignty of God. And the hardest thing in our faith is to recognize that God in his sovereignty is in control of everything and to learn to submit to that. Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job held loosely to the things of this life, but then he held firmly to God. When we lose everything that this life offers, we discover that God is enough. And this, theologically, is about the supremacy of God over all of our possessions, over all of our dreams, over all the things that bring us meaning. God is supreme over all. We're learning about who God really is that Job is in relationship with and that we are in relationship with because of Jesus Christ. And here are some things about God, Job's God, our God, that are inescapable at this point in our study. First of all, Job's God is not safe. As we define safety, it's not predictable. His goal is not to coddle you and to, and to hold you in this bubble where you can't be harmed. This God is not safe. We can't predict his actions. Job's God, secondly, is not manageable. We can't control or manipulate him. If your relationship with God is based on your figuring out how to manage and manipulate him so he works with your plan for success, that's not Job's God. That's not the God of Scripture, and that God will fail you eventually. That God will disappoint you. That God will not be sufficient for you. Now, Job's God cannot be manipulated or managed. In fact, he manages. Job's God is not safe. As troubling as that may seem at first glance, Job's God is not manageable. But Job's God is good. In all circumstances, Job shows us that God is always worthy of our trust, our love, and of our worship. I thought as we were looking at this of the uh, quote from uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan, who represents Jesus Christ, who is our God, and uh, Mr. Beaver is is talking to, uh, who is it, Lucy? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) You have that book? I love that. You know what I love even better? She's listening to me. Man, you just made my day. Mr. Beaver's describing... Aslan, he says, Aslan is a lion. He's the lion. He's the great lion. Oh, is he quite safe? I I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe. 
but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. I love that. So ultimately, how we respond to conflict as soon as it comes, especially the, the worst tragedies, is a great opportunity for you to hold up a mirror to your life and say, how is my response right now revealing things about the real me that God can transform? And what does it reveal about my relationship with God and and my belief about the things of God? What, What a beautiful gift to have all these things clarified and to understand that everything that we hold dear in this life is temporary. It came to us out of God's hands We hold on to it loosely because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but the Lord's name is always to be blessed. And in the end, when it's all taken away and we have only God, we find out he is sufficient. And that's what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. Let's say it together. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Father, may that statement be true of us. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. Amen.